The News on CJOB with Richard Cloutier and Julie Buckingham. He is a psychiatrist and an all-around good guy, dad, stepdad, husband, Facebook what aficionado. What are you buttering him up for? Well, uh, yeah, he, I can only go, I can only go down from here, right? I mean, yeah. this, is a, this is a tough setup here. How high is this pedestal? Well, Seriously. yeah. Now, <laughs> Pope Francis endorsing same-sex unions, and and this is a tender subject because I remember I was a lot more active within the Catholic Church. Um, many years ago and going to St. Paul's College at the University of Manitoba. And we used to got to get into some pretty heated arguments with some of the Jesuits there. And I was um, in, in many ways, uh, uh, I studied liberation theology for a, a few years out there, fascinated by it. And same thing with, with Pope Francis, uh, you know, hailing from, from South America in that way. And then I remember one of the discussions that we had and and one person at the table, and again, this is 30 years ago, who everybody knew was gay but did not want to say he was gay because he felt with rejected within his own church. And um, that individual who I, I am friends with on Facebook, you know, posted uh, saying that what a remarkable day. And I'm still thinking that, 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 that Simon, in your practice, you still deal with a lot of young people that struggle with family, that struggle with coming out. It's 2020, and you think that in many cases we'd be beyond that, but we aren't, are we? Well, you know, in 2020, I think, you know, I didn't get taught this in medical school, and you get taught in life that uh, we are all struggling to be who we are and be who we are and be experienced by other people, by uh, other people experiencing us as who we want to be. And I've learned that who we are is made up of three basic components. That's a sense of identity, that's a sense of sexuality, and that's a sense of gender identity. And those are three fundamental components on the tricycle of life, if you will, that we need to be acknowledged. And if we're not acknowledged in these three ways, I think that we find ourselves invalidated. And that can either cause us to really turn inwards and be upset and get depressed or anxious, or we turn outwards and we get angry and we become oppositional. And so I think that the church is, uh, at least I think the Pope is, is doing the right thing and getting out of the way of love and letting people love who they feel comfortable loving and, and acknowledging that in a sort of an official way, even though it's not part of any church doctrine right now. There's no one piece of advice here, but you've sat in scenarios where obviously clients have said, how do I begin to have this conversation with my parent so jump from there, because I think, you know, so often we talk about advice to parents, but tell us from the teenager's perspective, if you could, about what the, you know, an individual um, struggles with at that young age and dealing with parents, because they're, they're afraid to have that conversation. Yeah, I think I, I try to help the teenager understand what kind of family system they have. And family systems are embedded in family history and culture and religion and all sorts of other things. And I try to help the teenager understand whether they're parents. So I sort of break fam- families into three different types. There's a family that's kind of open to everything. And it's kind of, you know, if you say you're, you're this, they're going to support you in every way and almost be activists for you. There's the other side of the coin, though. There's families that struggle with anything that's sort of outside the norm or doesn't conform to things that their family culture has been familiar with and comfortable with for a really long time. And then there's families in between that are that are open, but they still have their family values, but they're negotiable. 
And so the first thing I do is help a teenager understand what kind of family system that they're in so that way we can try to determine how do you approach that family parent, that parent system at least. And I'm thinking in this situation where the Pope has said very clearly that that he supports uh, same-sex civil unions, that for those families that where they were held back as a result of religion, um, this could really change the whole dynamic and, and create a family that has a little bit more safe space for a young person to come out potentially. I hope so. Um, I honestly, I, I hope that this is the beginning of a really big change in how we look at other people and how we don't really get to decide for other people who they are and who they're attracted to and who they want to love. And so I think what the Pope is doing is a really beautiful thing. So if a family has been fractured as a result of, you know, of a child's sexuality, and then they hear, you know, the Pope making this announcement yesterday and they decide, okay, um, you know, for religious reasons, we were against it, but maybe, you know, as a result of this, we'll try and, you know, build that bridge back. How can families do that? Um, that's a great question. I think that just because the Pope says it, it doesn't mean that people can automatically change their sense of values. They've built up a lot of history behind that. And so I think that, you know, if I'm counseling a teenager, I'd want to have them give their parents some time to, their parents have been really against this, have been fundamentalist in some ways, have been against uh, them saying they're gay or, or openly talking about that stuff. Give the, give the parents some time to be able to shift or pivot. But, but there are some people that are not going to change their mind, even though the Pope has said that. So I think we also have to caution uh, people to sort of uh, make sure that they're not walking into a, a sort of a dangerous conversation. So it's really tricky because we don't advertise this stuff openly, and we, we need to do that more so as families. So it might be okay for a teenager to say, hey, can we all talk about what the Pope said today? And maybe start a conversation in a neutral way like that. I mean, it's obviously not neutral because it's about the Pope and about what he said. But it starts becoming a way for a, a teenager to start feeling out where the family's at for this and how that might change over time. But but these are very, very delicate conversations. This is almost the surgery of a family. Um, you have to peel back these layers carefully because uh, people get angry quickly and then they're thinking with other parts of their brain. What would be, no matter what the issue, if there's a, a rift in, in the family, no matter what that issue is, what is the just a, you know, a very basic step to take to start to to heal those fractures i think it's just spending time together i mean there's no there's i, I think you're always asking me like give my listeners like the one two three step and the, the reality of it is these things are so tricky let's be honest the church has not been able to talk about this for hundreds of years so i'm not going to be able to provide your listeners with a like a cut and paste way of doing this but it really does mean that the pope is willing to look at the history of the church and change his mind then I think that parents can look at themselves and and look at that the damage it might do to not accept a person in your family for any reason and and look within themselves to change their mind as well. But I think it really does boil down to spending time together and maybe even going to church if, if the church um, that they are supported by is also changing their mind in view, favor of the Pope, maybe for them to spend some time in that church to start talking about that together. Um, but it has to be somewhere where the teenager is going to feel safe and uh but also knows roughly where the parents are because otherwise it might be a gamble. This isn't recipe stuff that you can just go to the book and say one, I two, wish. and three. Um, and teen sexuality, the one thing that I have learned over the years as a parent is that there's a certain amount of experimentation that's done. 
and that um, you know, and I hate using the term. Well, it's normal because your normal is different from my normal. But the reality is that occurs now with teenagers, and I think sometimes to impose our value systems on teens, you you do that through your own actions and illustrating that in the way you live. But sometimes it's completely and totally different, and I think that's the one thing that I know a, a lot of parents struggle with with teens is just trying to understand uh, at times in experimentation sexually uh, with with substances, etc. That happens. But what's the difference between, you know, the natural curiosity of something and then when something goes the other way? Um, again, I'm not judging here, but it's a conversation that you have with many Many families, doctor. Yeah, and I think uh, we have to start by translating between the generations. I think, uh, you know, parents nowadays of my age have been taught that, you know, things like sexuality and gender are binary, that they're black or white, that you're either male or female, or that you're gay or straight. And uh, and the kids nowadays in 2020 have, have been taught and have learned that just like almost everything else in nature, things are on a spectrum. I mean, besides pregnancy and life and death, which are pretty binary, you can't be a little bit pregnant or a little bit dead. Um, everything else, generally speaking, is on a spectrum. So I think that I help, you know, we try to help parents understand that actually gender is now understood in a much more nuanced way. And sexuality is also understood in a much more nuanced way. And there's a lot more freedom that teenagers feel nowadays to explore as opposed to try to put themselves in a, in a box or a label really quickly. I think teen, uh, kids nowadays resist these labels a lot more freely, or at least they wear them with pride in a way that uh, that uh, past generations have never done before. With most of our conversations at the end of them, I say, I wish we had more time, but we don't. But I always do what the Muffets do at the end of a number. They nod their heads <laughs> to each other to really say that was good. Doctor, really appreciate the time. Thanks so very much for joining us. Hey, hey I love being with you guys and uh, can't wait till I see you guys again. The news on CJOB with Richard Cloutier and Julie Buckingham.